wasn't a, it wasn't the best. It was just it, it was better it than Joss Whedon's that it was better than the original theatrical release. So there was just, definitely some things that needed to be cut from it and stuff. I, so, I haven't been able to watch it yet, but I know that I'm going to appreciate it for what it is. Um, it, there's yeah. reasons it's getting much better reviews than the original was, and that's because Joss Whedon was just you know. Well, Joss Whedon's completely lost it. I mean, yeah, he's he's, he's, he's horrible at this point. He doesn't really care. It wasn't his baby from the get go. Um, what really sucks is that we saw a lot of corporate involvement taking power away from the the creative view on it. Yeah, that's um, true. The reason Snyder left when he did was because family stuff happened. Yeah, which you can't blame. But yeah. the fact that he came back and wanted to finish the product as best he could with with his vision and didn't even want paid for it he just wanted to be able to finish it speaks volumes and that instantly just earns extra fucking respect from me because that's all well, work having watched it i will say that like i would love to see the end of this story played out because it does end on a cliffhanger ending and this the Snyder Cut did give it uh, it kind of gave it new life to that whole overall universe that I would have been it wasn't my favorite but I was definitely interested to see what the story was to tell and I think part of the reason why it was it's a hard universe to get into is that Mm -hmm. Zack Snyder wrote it in a way that these aren't characters that we're meant to relate to these are for less or more gods living among us and it's hard to relate to a god um and that and that is a stark difference between like what you get with the marvel cinematic universe where it is very grounded human stories and stuff like that you can relate to these characters whereas i we're not supposed to be able to relate to some of the characters in dc and i think that also plays against why some people view it in the light that they do. Yeah, I thought the the Superman concept was really interesting. That's like, if you if you were this alien that had this kind of power over everybody else, I mean, like literally nobody on Earth can hold a candle to him. And it's like, oh. I, I do find that really interesting. I just don't think they they ever captured. It. I really don't think Zack Snyder is the guy to put on that task either. As a kid, I super grew up as a big Marvel fan, and the reason was because it felt more achievable in a weird way, like, as a kid. Because everybody had powers. You had X-Men, you had, like, all different groups and everything, and it seemed like in some way in that universe, everybody could be something. You know, you could know anybody. You could find out suddenly that you had some crazy power you didn't know about. Um, And I didn't get into DC stuff until way, way, way later. Um, when I read the actual book, The Death and Life of Superman, and fell in love with it. Um, because it was kind of what we saw play out, you know, with Superman dying after Doomsday and all that stuff. Um, it was a really awesome novel. Not a graphic novel, but the actual novel. And it hmm. expanded a lot of stuff out, and it talked about how so many characters died fighting Doomsday until... Superman was able to essentially kill himself to take him out. Um, but it was a really, really big eye-opener, and it, it made me kind of realize that wow factor of it is a bigger deal that not everybody has some kind of powers, that you see, like, the one group of people that were known to have helped protect the country and the world 
show up and get their ass collectively handed to them by one guy. Um, and that got me super into DC stuff to the point where I bought a shitload of comics for a while. I guess we also have to say that the true winner of all of this, like, uh, the, like, superhero franchise war or whatever is Jack Kirby, seeing as how he wrote the storylines for all of <laughs> <Everything>. the successful, <laughs> all of Avengers that they've gone with, basically. All of the DC Universe buildup. Legend. Yeah. No credit yeah, until, a... until after death, like usual, per an yeah. artist. Yeah, I've been like super into all the superhero stuff lately, thanks to WandaVision, and then I, I can't talk a lot about it because some of you guys haven't seen it yet, but Falcon and Winter Soldier has been blowing me away. Oh my god, with, with this last episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, and, and I know Night Swarm hasn't even started to watch it yet. I have so it. yeah. I'm telling you, you have to watch that shit soon, because it is emotionally slingshotting you back and forth the whole time. Well, it's exploring a lot of like nuanced concepts that I don't think like typically MCU really kind of delves into, and sometimes you really kind of don't think about it too much. And I, and I absolutely love the chemistry between Anthony Mackie and um, Sebastian Stan. Yes, yeah, Sebastian Stan. Yeah, they have such good acting chemistry between the two of them. It's it's hard for me. It's hard for me to get into it, like. WandaVisions was easy because I was like, I, I know for one, I'm like, I know the story that they're going to tell. Um, and then as well, I have a vested interest in the character already going into it. But Falcon and Winter Soldier, there's not like the, like, oh, I really like these characters. I'm like, you know, they were characters. It's just not as, it, it's not as enticing. With Falcon and Winter Soldier, for me, what pulled me into it, made me want to watch it, was the curiosity on seeing if they would take the twist that I wanted, which is the the comic book twist of Falcon become like taking up the Captain America mantle, mm -hmm. uh, which gets very kind of early dismissed in the storyline and stuff, just from the trailers and everything. But it's definitely like if that made me want to start watching it, and then every episode explores so many things about people on a personal level that <laughs> gets you invested with them. Yeah, um, I'll definitely understand. Yeah. The characters that you didn't see get a lot of screen time as a human, but only as a fighter, as a soldier. You're seeing the more human side of them now than anything, and it really, really pulls you in. Um, so I, I do think that you'll really dig it um, as long as you get into the first episode um, and realize that it's not all about action but the action scenes that are there are pretty much on the same level as what you're getting in theaters on like the big movies. Yeah. I'm, I'll definitely, I know I'll definitely be interested and in, in invested in it once I start it, but I think it's just that like getting into that first episode, sitting do down and taking the time and do it. Tonight. And the nice thing is you'll have four episodes to get through. So you can have an aneurysm by the time you're done with the fourth one waiting. On the yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And honestly, the first episode was really well done. I think you won't have any issue getting into this series with the first episode. Not at all. Well, we are talking a lot about things that we're kind of interested in, uh, even if it's uh, love it or hate it, uh, Austin. Because um, I feel nope. like you're kind of on the hate it side of most of it. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll get into my exact issue, I guess, when we get to the angle of like. Uh, just repeating the same thing over and over again yeah. uh, later on in the show. <laughs> um, but we figured 
we wanted to do a little bit of restructuring for the show. Uh, this first time all four of us are here. Uh, so why don't we just do some introductions uh, and then we'll jump into like, you know, some of the things that hopefully we can expect uh, coming forward. Um, so uh, first, before we jump into that, as always, if you guys get the chance, uh, head on over facebook.com backslash mammoth games inc check out all the top news and video game junk over there we appreciate all the likes comments and shares and then on twitter at mammoth games inc so you know we go live and do junk just like this um yeah i, I, I we have literally no we, we have like a small script here of the way we wanted to run this but it wasn't anything uh specific do you guys want to go in an order or do you guys just want to say hey this is you know like what's a game that defines you if you had to pick some genres this is it you know like what i, I don't know what do you guys think yeah i think it's just kind of a a little getting to know you um a okay. lot of stuff has changed over the past several months um even since i just joined in um not forever yeah. ago so um I feel like this, like you said, this is a good chance to have all of us on here together at once for the first time. Um, we just brought we just brought Brian in recently, and you guys have been part of this forever. Um, and then I got brought in almost a year ago now. Yeah. So, oh Christ, it has been almost a year. Yeah, ago. it was just like right around uh, the start of uh, this fun pandemic that we've been in. Mm. Yeah. 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 So good times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just uh, I don't know. I guess it depends. Uh, got us to if you were, um, you know, like conscious and you know good at what you were doing. You know, okay with staying home, and that's what you were doing. It was good for some of us. Some of us, it wasn't even a change. I imagine. Um, I th yeah. yeah, I think there were definitely pros and cons, pros and cons to it all. Sure. Yeah, it just it depended on how you were able to capitalize on it. I mean, I know that I personally have had my good days, and I've definitely had my bad days dealing with this last year. For sure. Uh, but yeah, wh wh why don't we take it back? Why don't we talk about um, just a game that kind of defines us as people? Like, what's something that was really big, whether it's childhood game, hey, this is what I love, this is what I do... Um, yeah. What 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 do you got? Well, we'll start. We'll start with you, Austin. Um. Yeah. So um, I guess I want to hit two. The one that was like uh, really influential for me, um, kind of starting out gaming, I guess. But we always kind of had like a NES or like an N sixty four around, but I wasn't super into it until I got into uh, Pokemon Blue, which I received one Christmas. Uh, my cousin got red, so, and that was always that was a big one. Why? Why did you receive that? Was that something that you actively wanted because another family member had, or was so? That, I think like, your parents. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I think he'd like that. I would have had to have known about Pokemon somehow, but like the TV show hadn't started yet, so maybe I had some cards because hmm. uh, I know I have some old Japanese cards, and my dad was. That's where it started uh, for me too. For sure. Yeah, with his, with his company, he was uh, in Asia, so he would have had the ability yeah, nice. to run across it. Yeah. That's crazy, because I, if anything in the world I would have thought about as an early gaming memory for you that would have gotten you into it, I would never have thought Pokemon. Mm. Um, Everybody, you would think The Sims. <laughs> I would Sim City. Like, 
I would 2000 or something. Fucking graphing calculator games at this point. Like, <laughs> I play in a game called Calculator. Uh, what so... was the, uh, it's like Pipe Man or something is one of the graphing calculator games. So it's like a Mario ripoff. Yeah. Yeah, I never uh, really got into graphing calculator games. It wasn't a console that I had until later <laughs> in my high school career. But uh, yeah, so the, the one that really like turned me, you know, I, I think like um, playing Pokemon is like, oh, you can kind of experience like math and, uh, you know, there's, there can be kind of interesting stuff going on here. But um, the one that really got me was when I played Nice Old Republic. You'll always hear me talking about it. I'm ready for the remake. Hit me with it. Um, Hurry it up. And it was like the the level of story that got across in that game, um, the mechanics were fine. I mean, it's it kind of similar to Pokemon, right? Where it's like, when you do an attack, you're not thinking, uh, okay, how much damage am I doing? You're thinking, um, you know, you kind of just let your character go. They're just swinging occasionally, and you're really only interacting to do special moves uh, to try to make, like, more tactical decisions, which kind of, you know, got me into more strategy games and stuff like that. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff there. Yeah, no, I mean, um, Night of the Republic was a big game either way. And it, if you were already kind of interested, were you already interested in the Star Wars universe at that point, or was this kind of, like, the big thing that pulled you in? Uh, yeah, I'd definitely been into Star Wars. Like, that was something that I... Uh, like, my mom had gone to the Star Wars movies when they were in theaters originally. We always had, like, a VHS copy. That um, was something that I used to interact with. So, yeah, I, I guess okay. that would have been, like... Uh, so, it was, like, what? easy for you to grab onto. You're like, okay, I already know a little bit about Yeah, this. I understood this is my the universe in that world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that originally came out in 2003, and I was pretty early on board with that, so uh, I'm not really sure what I was doing in the four or five years between um, Pokemon and that. Pokemon and Probably that, playing you know, Pokemon, stems. I imagine. <laughs> yeah, it was mostly Pokemon. I played Pokemon for, like, ever. Like, you know, when you think about that, and I think some of us still try to, like, a, like, a, a, like achieve that, like, we want to have a game that we play for a long time. I think like we used to, but it's really hard. Oh, yeah. And I, I think, yeah, looking back at something like Pokemon is that was something you, like I played. I, I did not play that for like weeks. I did not play that for months. I played that game for, I played Pokemon yellow for probably three or four years. Like it was just always there in yeah. my pocket as a kid. You know, yeah. It, interesting. Well, do you think that like part of the reason why you chase that that one game that you want to um, stick with you is that you might also be trying to chase that nostalgia of when you first played that for the very first time, and so by replaying something like Pokemon Yellow and trying to continue with the series, you're also always kind of chasing that first day, you know, first time booting it up and catching your first. Uh, um, uh, Pokemon. Yeah, nah, I, yeah. I think that's true. I mean, I think that's why a lot of us go back to these old games. I think that's why remasters, remasters are doing as well. Remakes are do. doing, yeah, yeah, why they're doing well. 
um, because yeah. it swings on that nostalgia factor for real. God damn, the textures really just are irking me in this live video. <laughs> like, I'm well, kind of freaking ooh. out. <laughs> I know that um, it seems like sometimes people are kind of critical. It's like we're all doing remasters now all the time, but our this medium has gotten it we're, it's getting to an age where we're starting to want to retell some of the same old stories, and that's not something that's new. Just in the concept of storytelling in general, how many iterations of different types of movies have we had across the entire cinematic uh, history? Or same with books and stuff like that. Books get reprinted so that way you can. And get translated as they get we're still you know sharing stories that were originally told by homer during the times of ancient greeks yeah, but like yeah. i'm cool with retelling an old story um, yeah i'm not so cool with retelling a new story over and over again true there that's are, yeah that's for another moment that we'll we'll touch base on a little bit later oh yeah 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 there, there <laughs> are things that i feel like are acceptable i do feel like uh demon souls that I mean, relatively not a violently old game. I mean, I guess it would be considered retro, but then it being, you know, remade for the PS5, mm. that felt fine. Well, I missed out on Demon's Souls the first time around and because yeah, I didn't so have That's a, a good point, too. Yeah, I missed out on it. Um, that came from a series that, like, you know, Demon's Souls, then Dark Souls. Dark Souls is what started to pick it all up for people, so a lot of people never played Demon Souls. I think um, Bloodborne was really it for a lot of people, though. Yeah, you saw the stuff evolve a lot, and then that really gave the opportunity of, hey, maybe you guys will appreciate this one since it's where it all started. Yeah. And that's a different kind of approach. For sure. Um, but yeah, g getting back to uh, getting back to that, did you want to save some of the other stuff for a bit further down the road filter or awesome did you want to do that or yeah i mean to... um I, I can just lay it all out i guess in in general i'm i'm still really into role-playing games um i think we all will kind of mention that we're into or we're you know in the process of getting into tabletop rpgs like D, &D. Mm -hmm. um we've been all a lot of us have been playing uh carbon 2185 which is the only playable uh cyberpunk tabletop right now because the new the new uh, cyberpunk red was pretty lackluster mm -hmm. um just and a lot different of us various stuff together, like that i mean just semi-recently but yeah recently and then throwing it back i mean yeah you know uh you johnny and i we used to play when, when did we start playing what was that like 20 uh would it had to have been 13 14 something like that yeah, yeah. Like 2014-ish. So, we're coming up on a decade here, so. Yeah. Nice. That's fun. Um, definitely something that I would like to get, like, a community thing going with us, though. Like, just, like, an actual game for, like, us, and, you know, if, it, you know, we have one or two others that want to, uh, you know, join in on that, you know, depending. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, so um, other than RPGs, I also do a good amount. I'm not, like, super into the uh, culture of it, I guess, but I play a lot of strategy games and a few, uh, like, simulation, city builder, you know, The Sims-type games. Um, so it will be very easy to detect that that's where my interest is, the, the longer you listen. Yeah, go back. I mean, you can get a good idea of Austin and I going back to the... 
yeah. to just our other episodes. Like, I feel like Long most, most of the most of the episodes somehow you've been talking about Crusader Kings. I don't know how that's possible. I've been playing a lot lately, but I feel like you've been talking about it since the first episode somehow. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, but uh, yeah, um, did you want to add anything else to that? I'm sure. Well, you know, of course. It, it, yeah, I'm interested to hear what everybody else includes and see if I need to add in anything. Chime in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's usually how it works because um, we all have similar interests. Um, I, I guess you know, just switching uh, switching gears over to me. Um, I, I would say a game that really defined me was uh, was like MMO, like a series or a genre that defined me was MMOs. Um, mm. Because I was interested, I, I played a lot of video games, of course, well before that. But when I'm, an MMO happened, I was like, oh, this is something completely different. And a big one for me um, was City of Heroes and Villains. Um, that was just a mm-hmm. good time. Like, it had, uh, you know, interesting characters, and it, it was like playing. Uh, in the Mar- DC or Marvel universe and creating whatever you wanted. And they were making new stuff all the time. Like, from, you know, like, uh, laser vision to, like, a backpack that has spider legs. Like, Doc, like, Doc, Doc Ock. It, it, I mean, you could do pretty much everything in it. Um, and, and I think that open sandbox really kind of opened my eyes. Um, to things that were possible and would definitely be a very big um, like reason why I would uh, you know want to go on to like make video games as Mm -hmm. an adult Um, I think that was important I think that's something interesting to uh, point out as well Um, just kind of our uh, background with video games Um, we uh when it was 2013, 2014, something like that. Um, I think it, from this group, it was just you and I, Austin. But we had some other friends that we would meet at um, the university that you got your undergrad at. And we would just kind of storyboard out video games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was one of those sessions. You're like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go to college in Florida for that. And I was like, hey, I've been wanting to do that as well. So... Uh, you know, we packed up all of our stuff, moved a thousand miles away, went to college. Um, at the time you already had your undergraduate, uh, from that university that we used to meet at, um, in Ohio. Uh, What did you get your undergrad in? Just general computer science. Computer science. That's what I thought it was. Um, and then you got your master's in game design. Right. Yep. And at that time I was working on my undergraduate for game art. Um, so you know that's where the original idea of the show kind of for the show kind of started you know both of us kind of talking about industry things that are happening per usual got a little out of hand i would say um yeah yeah, it's definitely derailed and uh kind of morphed into its own thing which is uh I, i you know definitely i would say the idea um but uh yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of that comes back to, you know, with me playing something like 
uh, playing hours of City of Heroes and Villains. I, that was so long ago. That was played on dial-up. I remember Damn. going to school and downloading this game specifically took forever because the dial-up would disconnect and I knew no one would be home. So when I would leave before I went to school, I would set this to download and it would download for about three hours and then it would kill off. <laughs> and then I would get home and be like, shit, it's only at like 30%. And it took three days to download this on dial-up. Going to school, you know, hitting like install, it would pick up where it left off, continue to install. I would go to school, it would cut off after three hours, and then I'd have to come home and do it all over again. Um, because, if you remember, dial-up uh, means you cannot uh, do anything else. <laughs> you, you, you can't get phone calls, you can't, uh, like... There's one what's device in the house. You know what I mean? There's always a phone. You yeah, what, what forgot the someone was on and you pick up the phone and you just got that horrible sound. Yep. Uh, so that's how I started playing this. And then uh, I live so far in the middle of nowhere. I think I spent it was like $500 for install for internet that wasn't dial-up. <laughs> God damn. That's brutal, huh? Uh, but yeah, um, I think I think that's um, a really good, I would say, description of of where gaming gaming really took a hold. You know, playing all the way back when, um, starting with I think Johnny and I will have a pretty similar uh, conversation. We would have a very similar um, idea and upbringing of like what we played. Um, some of the first games, you know, were like uh, Castlevania and Mario and. Um, I had that two pack of Mario and uh, Duck Hunt, which is pretty rad. I feel like everybody, I feel like everybody just accidentally had that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, one of the first things I purchased was um, a Sega Genesis, uh, mainly because they had uh, a something called six pack. It was six games in one. Came with like Shinobi, Streets of Rage, uh, Shinobi, Sonic. Streets of Rage, Columns, uh, Columns, yeah. Rash. Uh, Golden Axe was in there. Yeah, Golden Axe. Yeah. Uh, so, definitely uh, some good stuff. Um, but, and, and I played that a lot. Like, I can't even believe Madden was around way back then. Like, that's, that's kind of gross, right? <laughs> that Madden's been going for this long. Um, I mean, he's an old dude. Oh, man, I can't. <laughs> The evolution, it would be, there has to be a video of an evolution of Madden games. Oh, there is. Madden was, oh, one, of the, Madden was one of the first games that had uh, black characters in it. Because the majority of your players were yeah. black, and it was kind of whitewashing to have them all be white like in older games. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I never thought so of like, that. The Genesis was like the first system to uh, to have the palette available to be able to really do that. But I would say for me, um, primarily growing up, not having access to a ton, um, I had, uh, yeah, I went from uh, Nintendo, and I was always one console. Um, Sega Genesis, uh, I ended up getting the PS1, later getting the 64, like well later, late in the game. Um, and then uh, I kind of continued on the PlayStation route. Um, I didn't actually buy an Xbox console until literally this generation. This is the first one I've purchased. Uh, and then 
PC in there, uh, of course, kind of the whole time. You know, starting, like, I would say, right around the release of City of Heroes. Um, but yeah, I think that's a pretty good little background on me. Um, Johnny? Yeah, so video gaming was kind of weird for me. Um, as a kid, I lived in a super, super tiny town and only had like one or two friends and ended up getting a Nintendo when I was super young, like four or five years old from my parents and older sister. Um, the first video game I ever got, though, was the original Legend of Zelda. So that was weird. Um, but then I super, super fell into like Mario, obviously. Um, I still remember my old copy of Mario 3 I had back in the day with my little sticker I got out of a box of cereal on it that was a Mario sticker. And I was super into Mario Brothers stuff early on to the point where like my birthday cakes were all Mario. Um, my favorite TV shows, like cartoons and stuff, I would do all I could to make everything Mario related um, because that was pretty much it. It was, it was, if it wasn't Mario or Zelda back then, I just didn't care enough. Um, so I spent a lot of time back then. I have also uh, really eventually kind of sunk into the habit of buying any kind of video game that had a sword on the cover. Um, because of Zelda. So if I saw a game out there and it had a sword on it, I had to have it because I always compared that to Zelda. Mm. I was like, I need that. Um, fun fact, as a child, I had no idea that naming your carrier file Zelda would have you start the second playthrough first on the original Legend of Zelda. Um, <laughs> but I, video games early on became a huge thing for me. Um, I would love, like, finding out how like waking up super early to be able to watch the Super Mario Brothers Super Show just because it was ridiculous. And as a kid, I didn't care about the live action stuff. I only cared about the cartoon. Um, what makes it so amazing now is my son is watching this show and he absolutely loves it. Um, anyone that's listening and not watching any of this, definitely go to Netflix and check out the Super Mario Brothers Super Show with uh, former professional wrestler Captain Lou Albano as Mario. God, he was everywhere, wasn't he? Oh man, Captain was... Lou? It was such a good, it was such a good show. Like just growing up, it was ridiculous. Um, it was really based off of, I feel like, uh, two, right? Yeah, it was really based off Mario two, which was kind of ironic because yeah. that was, you know, not really Mario. But it was like um, the least favorite Mario as well. Yeah, it was, it was weird, but I super loved it. It also had a, there was um, occasionally a Legend of Zelda cartoon that would hop up with it, mm -hmm. um, and I really liked that one as well. Um, but over the years, my taste kind of changed. Uh, I started picking up anything with a sword on it that eventually got me to Final Fantasy 2 for the Super Nintendo, which was Final Fantasy 4, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which got me hooked in RPGs <laughs> for the longest time. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, when you started uh, when you started here, I think you were trying to do a full playthrough, like a full stream yeah, playthrough. Yeah, I was trying to play through all the Final Fantasy games in their original format, which is brutal nowadays. Mm -hmm. so hard without the quality of life enhancements we've yeah. gotten on later versions. Um but it's weirdly eventually things kind of changed. So around the, you know, I had a Nintendo, ended up with a Sega Genesis, ended up with a Super Nintendo, ended up with a PS1, eventually saved up my own money for a PS2. Um, but eventually I found out that this whole Castlevania Symphony of the Night game was apparently really popular and worth a lot of money way back. So I found a copy of it from a local like video store that was going out of business and, uh, they had like a brand new sealed copy I got for like 15 bucks and I played the crap Shit. out of it. 
and that <laughs> super got me into Metroidvanians, which I'm still currently hooked on. Oh. Um, Metroidvanian games are my bread and butter. They are one of my favorite things to play through because learning how to sequence break things in those games is super fun. Learning how to optimize the the craziest little run when you can find it, and then um, eventually the addition of randomizers became a thing. So, you know, playing through a Super Metroid randomizer where all your items and weapons are in different rooms now, it was was insane. Um, the Metroidvanians have gone huge to the point where some of my favorite games in the past couple years have been Metroidvanians. And we've finally seen an evolution where we see a lot of third-person like action games that are still, for lack of a better term, they're still Metroidvanian. Um, you know, you can still go kind of out of order. You can go unlock shortcuts between different places. Um, the Dark Souls games became kind of like that, except third-person action-adventure mm-hmm. where you're doing the same thing. You know, you're getting yeah. different abilities or finding different things, opening up different paths between different sections of the game to do different stuff. Yeah, um, shortcuts and, yeah, like, the, the, the whole thing. It really does take from something like this, which, I don't know, what does... What do these take from? I mean, kind of um, something like Pitfall. It's it's weird. Like the the oldest like ones there. The original Metroid was huge um, in all of it, and that's kind of why that's the first half of the, the genre name is Metroid. Yeah. Um, the early Castlevanias, uh, Castlevania. Th- like some of the early Castlevanias really did it well, and then Symphony of the Night is the one that took off. Mm-hmm. that really took the best of all of that and merged it together and gave you RPG elements and you could swap your gear out and, and get new weapons and try to do different challenge playthroughs and runs that way. Um, now I'm actually playing, um, currently on my Switch, I'm playing through uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night because there's a randomizer mode on it where you can specifically set up your own settings. Um, and I, I love it. Um but since uh, I know we talked about Pokemon a little bit earlier, that's what Austin got really into. That was still an RPG, meaning I was super into it as well. Yeah. Uh, and I've recently found that Pokemon randomizers are a blast. Um, if you ever want to increase the challenge of playing a Pokemon game, playing randomizers will do it. Um, outside of that, though, horror games became a huge thing for me. Uh, living in the middle of nowhere during high school meant that playing a lot of Resident Evil and Silent Hill and other things like that were a really bad idea. <laughs> but I was hooked. Um, even outside of video games, I've always been like a huge like fantasy and horror fan. But the Resident Evil, Silent Hill, games like that broke me early on. Uh, I would go to a friend's house and we would play games together and just take turns uh, being home alone and terrified because it would be you know in the middle of nowhere trees surrounding the house thick fog everywhere you're pretty sure you're going to die yeah no and that's something that we have we have in common as well like i'm a very very big uh definitely looking at top three genres mine would probably be like horror would definitely be in there for yeah horror is like so many different games do it differently you know i remember when pt came out and we all lost our minds about it my god that was that was a day. Like, we all I, completely lost our shit playing that. Um, yeah, because you came into the back room and you're like, "Dude, did you see that?" And I was like, "No, nah, I've been doing inventory counts all morning." And 
then you're like just down and I downloaded it before I got home and played it and then lost my damn mind because that was the greatest horror experience pretty much to like that that delivers a, a scare that's it was, that was, it was one. good like horror movies always messed me up as a kid and that's what's kind of crazy I have an older brother that would traumatize me growing up because he would I would sleep I was always afraid to sleep in my room as a kid and I would sleep on the living room couch he would come into the house at like two in the morning and just put on a scary movie and then leave Cold like blooded. in the living room so that I would wake up to there being a horror movie on and be terrified um, that's some super villain shit right there uh, yeah. he was an asshole um, and that's what makes it crazy is that nowadays I love horror games and I love the ones that like if it can make me not want to walk into my basement in the dark I, I'm probably going to love playing it Yeah. Um, I think the one that got me the most was I was playing Silent Hill Downpour which is to a lot of people the worst Silent Hill it's one of my favorites um, and in that game there's a lot of rain obviously mm-hmm. and I was playing it and I was home alone at the time and it was starting to storm outside and in the game, the heavier and the, the harsher the rain gets, the scarier things are about to happen. Like, the worst things are about to go for you. Mm-hmm. And a thunderstorm built up. And my power even almost flickered at one point, but my game didn't die. And I immediately picked up this gigantic flashlight that I had in the house, set it right next to me, and said, I'm just going to sit here and, uh, stare at a, and, and just stare at the screen for a while because I don't trust anything in my entire house. Um... But it was a great moment, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and early on, for me, the ones that really got me, um, I played a lot of Silent Hill. Didn't really appreciate it until Silent Hill Two, but Silent Fatal Two was a huge one. Fatal Frame was mm. something so weird, and it just it felt so. I, it felt so just not. Like it was nor, it was maybe normal. It, it, I don't to some people, but you know, I don't know. Maybe that's like, uh, maybe it felt kind of like how Silent Hill feels for me. You know, it like East. I don't know. I, I don't know how that how that translates. But it was all around an unsettling thing. Um, and and that game that game really really did it. Um. Yeah. And of course, Resident, Resident Evil was always there. Resident Evil Director's oh, Cut for PS1 was the first one for me. So I had the awful live action stuff, but I had the awful voice <laughs> acting. Uh, and then Silent Hill 1 still terrifies me. Like to this day, I still remember walking through, walking down the first alleyway in Silent Hill 1, uh-huh. where you eventually come across the thing that's like strapped and like flayed across a fucking fence. And it was just terrifying. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites that really got me, though, because all those games you could at least defend yourself. Uh, Clock, Clock Tower, Tower 2, I believe it was, mm-hmm. for the PS2. Um, or maybe it was Clock Tower 3. I think I it, was three, it was 3, where you played a girl and you had holy water. Yeah, it was three. Clock Tower 3. So that three. one was that was overwhelmingly terrifying. Yeah. Because um, you couldn't defend yourself. At best, you could splash holy water onto an enemy to distract them long enough for you to try to run and hide. But if you didn't hide fast enough, they would know where you're at. Mm-hmm. Oh. Or if you hid in there in, in any sort of range to them, yeah, you would be running and you're like, okay, I'm hit, I, I'm, I, I hid, I'm safe, and uh, and they'll just it, like pull it, you out, and kill you. Yeah, <laughs> you you were not. <laughs> and what made it crazy is that like the lore in the game was just all about 
you know, it felt more real. It was like you're finding these newspaper articles about these people that were killing all these people, and you're like, oh, fuck, all right. And then you had to deal with them. Um, it was nuts. Um, and there's still a lot of other horror games out there that I'm not super, that I haven't even played. Like, I haven't touched the Amnesia series because I know I get anxiety way too much, but I want to. I hmm. own them all. Um, that one doesn't seem like, as interesting to me. I don't know why. A- Amnesia. I've never played it play. It's just a matter of having the time for it, and I, I know that I've got them. Do I want to sit in, in the dark and scare the crap out of myself that bad? Not really. Um, the Resident Evil 7 was another one I really wanted to finish and never got a chance to. Platinum did. Love that game. Oh, yeah. There were there so many good ones. There were so many amazing ones, and then you know we started seeing movie spinoffs of the different horror games that weren't always the greatest. I actually like, like Silent Hill, though. Yeah, like the Silent Hill movies weren't even that great, but like they were—they were all right. They were fine. Um, yeah, the Resident Evil ones were just their own thing. I just um, shaking my and... head the whole time. That uh, it just kept going, and I'm like, how? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's just me. Carry on. Like, <laughs> horror stuff was always so good and so unsettling because it really racked your brain about a lot of it about how in the world this kind of stuff even happens. Um, and for video games as an art form, like. Those are all the ones that got me. It was, strangely enough, the, the games I really got into were ones that I could either sit down and plow through in no time at all, or ones that are going to take 100-plus hours, which mm-hmm. is such a, a flip of the coin for me. You know, 80 hours in an RPG or four hours in a horror game to finish it. Which am I going to do? I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> all right. Um, so our... Newest addition to the show, of course, Brian. He's been on uh, about a month's worth of episodes now. Um, and, uh, you know, he's one that we haven't really uh, had a chance to learn too, too much about. So, uh, you know, take it away. Um, where'd you get started? You know, just kind of, I guess, following suit. Sure, why not? Um, I guess when I really kind of start to think about it is that gaming kind of has always been a part of my life whether it been like those weird little like math blaster games that you used to play as as a kid to learn you know addition multiplication stuff like that but really my first console is a playstation one that my brother and i saved enough money to buy and our first two games were like donald duck going quackers and croc 2 and we would just take turns sharing the controller and uh whose turn it was but eventually it got um we would get more games and stuff like that and the two that really stood out for us was uh spyro and crash team racing and that was because crash team racing was essentially our mario kart only instead of turtle shells we had missiles that you uh launched at each other and you were playing slightly more culturally obscure characters for video gaming than uh, the more known uh, Mario uh, family of characters that uh, most people grew up and stuff. I mean, granted, people knew Crash Team Racing, but it, course, you didn't yeah. hear people talk about it as much. And yeah, then they just didn't know all those characters for sure. It's kind of yeah, I feel I, like people like the game almost more than Mario Kart, but yeah, they couldn't name more than like three characters. I, I, I guarantee you. More people probably know of Waluigi than they know of Dingo Dial. Yes, hundred percent. 
in a while a week because I'm still heartbroken. <laughs> I, I he love, deserves a Smash character. I love playing Crash Team Racing back on the PS1. Um, I was oh, actually man. super hyped for the remake to happen, and then it's never touched it because I don't really play kart racers anymore. Yeah, I remember wanting to get that multi tab so bad because we got that. We got the PS1 that it it was the the slightly newer one where it was white, not beige, and but I only had the two controller ports to it. Mm-hmm. I always remember seeing that triangular multi-tap so that way you could get four controllers going but we just never got around to getting it so yeah we always had the trade-off with just two people of who can outdo who yeah if if the, anyone that's listening is unaware it was a basically shaped like a boomerang and it had yeah. four controller ports and you plug it into one port so it allows you to play four players um back on the playstation one um yeah, go play uh, Astro's Playroom. I think it's in there. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's definitely in there. I remember seeing that. It's like, oh my god, in some way, I kind of have it now, just as Astro now. Yeah. Um, and then Spyro was the other big one that really stood out to me because it was like kind of... To me, it, I would say it was one of my more... It, it was my Mario 64, I guess, about the concept of a 3D open world that you can just go around and explore and find wherever, you you know, see what you can find in these areas and stuff like that. And that kind of always really played uh, into my interest because uh, uh, I just love just exploring for the sake of exploring. Uh, I grew up being a part of Scout, so going into the woods and spending... A weekend camping and just wandering around with like just aimlessly seeing what i could find um was always just a fun thing for me in fact i would get in trouble quite a bit because uh i was not a big uh user of the buddy system and i would just kind of wander off a lot and then people would be like where'd brian go like uh, he's probably just out walking around um <laughs> so for for Spyro, what was your first experience? Like, did you just get a chance to outright play the game, or did yeah. you find it on one of the demo discs first? Demo discs for me, for sure. Um, it the for the original Spyro, we just straight up got the game because uh, the store rep that um, was working in the electronics section said uh, this was one that uh, everyone who picks it up absolutely loves it, and so on the recommendation recommendation of the store employee, we got this and absolutely just fell in love with it. Ripto's Rage was one that we tried out on a demo disc. Um, but the original OG Spyro, that was one that we just straight up bought uh, right off the bat. I know I got it from a demo disc from Pizza Hut. Same, same <laughs> dude. I played that demo so much. There was a lot of games on there, too. I think there was, was like, like three one, or four. It was one of the first games yeah. that had voice acting in it, too, and I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. With uh, Spyro being kind of like a punkish kind of character and stuff, but... He was always fun to... His quips what I always loved. Um, and so that's kind of where it came about. Is just a lot of it was just my brother and I sharing this PlayStation 1. And then eventually we went up to the next generation of console. Where we, we actually, um, because as when my dad was still alive, uh, we were making decent money and stuff. So we ended up getting the GameCube, PS2, and the original Xbox at some point or another and um but xbox can end up being the one that uh we both went to because uh 
my brother and I, we got really into Halo. Um, it was just, uh, at the time, our friends were also big into gaming and stuff, and Halo was one of the easiest games that you could just set up a land network and do um, Team Deathmatch or Capture the Flag on Blood Gulch. And uh, you could spend just hours a night just l- completely lost in uh, trying to see who can outdo who, what kind of ridiculous game variants could you come up with. Um, yeah, no, I remember I, those days too, for sure. Yeah. And it was it was definitely more Halo 2, like as we got into high school, um, that we would really get into. And I remember going to a friend's house and we would have an Xbox in each bedroom. And I could hear uh, from like the next room over. It's like, damn it, they're fucking using teamwork again. Or it's like, <laughs> all big surprise, Brian's on the ghost ramming into people. And you'd just be, it'd be so much fun just playing these. And then uh, at these same LAN parties, this is when I would start uh, to get into the brief stint of PC gaming that I would do. And so we would be playing, we would, you know, interchange out playing Halo 2 on Xbox. And then we would switch over to all of our um, custom-made desktop PCs. And we were just middle of nowhere kids and stuff like that. So it just we were dumpster diving our local school for computer monitors to try to get multi-screens going and stuff like <laughs> that. Uh, and... The, uh, what kind of helped was like uh, my friends and I, we also helped out our text uh, support stuff. I mean, we were the cool kids in high school, but uh, I lost my train of thought. But on PC, we really got into uh, really two uh, games, and one of them was Call of Duty, and uh, the Call of Duty 1 and 2 in particular. Um, we got into that to the point where we actually ended up being part of uh, the whole Call of Duty 2 clan, uh, you know, era. And shout out to the old Hazard clan that we used to be a part of. And we would actually try to compete. Granted, we uh, we were also uh, in the middle of uh, nowhere, Ohio. So internet connections weren't that great. We were doing the best we could with DSL. So internet connections weren't exactly... Uh, in our favor there hmm. and then the other one that i absolutely love playing all the time was the unreal tournaments uh in particular 2003 and 2004 those were just some of the funnest games that we would play on pc i i just some of the random maps that you could find modders coming up with uh were some of the coolest things in the world and i loved the mechanics of the unreal tournament games and then um and a lot of this kind of inspired me to get in a weird way. I loved um, what really kind of drew me into with Halo. Um, I loved the vehicle designs that they had in it. And between the vehicle designs in Halo and the vehicle designs in like Star Wars, it kind of led me down this road where eventually I end up going to uh, college for aerospace engineering because I just really wanted to start making these vehicles that I absolutely fell in love with and stuff. And so I left um, Ohio to go down to uh, college 
uh, to for an aerospace engineering degree, um, Florida Institute of Technology to be exact. Uh, and with me traveling a thousand miles back and forth between home still being Ohio and college, uh, I couldn't really do much with PC gaming anymore. I couldn't really, you know, you can't really uh, securely send your PC tower back and forth and still be able to do that. So console gaming uh, ended up becoming much easier, especially with the onset of um, the, that follow-up generation with the Xbox 360. I admittedly never got a PS3, um, so I missed out on a lot of those titles like uh, Demon Souls, as I aforementioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Xbox 360, that was that was how my friends and I, we stayed in touch with each other during college because um, I was down in Florida, my friends were back up in Ohio at different colleges. Eventually my brother would join me down in Florida for his own degree at the same university. And uh, on nights and weekends, that's just how we caught up with each other and managed to uh, stay as uh, as a group of friends with each other that we still uh, hang out at least virtually to this day with. And so a lot of the things with um, gaming for me that uh, it was an inspiration for me to go down the field like with uh, Jay here when he was talking about wanting to get into game design. For me, it was... I wanted to, uh, I wanted to see if I could do some of the stuff into real life. Sadly, that didn't really work out too much. I mean, I did get to do some cool things uh, with my degree. Like, I did an undergrad program at Kennedy Space Center. I got to see Spatial Endeavor be prepped for its final mission ever. Um, uh, that that's a whole story in itself. That uh, I still get kind of choked up on. Um, my senior design team project was a small-scale rocket engine that the campus could use for testing different um, hydrocarbon fuels, uh, um, be able to map out the um, exhaust plumes using um, using heat, different heat sensors and stuff. It was a small-scale rocket and wouldn't produce more than like maybe seven pounds of thrust on it. Uh, but so that's kind of where that went through. And then gaming just kind of has always been my mainstay with that. Um, and then I also got really into RPGs and I things, but it was still in that 360 area where it wasn't until then that I got really into RPGs. And two that really definitely were the big standouts for me. I tried a little bit of... Um, Elder Scrolls for Oblivion, but it was Skyrim for me that really kind of mm-hmm. made my open eye and it played into that open world uh, that I could, you know, go anywhere I wanted to, see what I could, ex- you know, explore what I wanted. And um, then the other one for me was uh, Mass Effect. Mass Effect was one where it really kind of opened my eyes up on just how in depth you can get with gaming and things like character development and building relationships with like NPCs and stuff like that. And it just, I instantly fell in love with this franchise and it just so happened that I came in through with a very rough point in my life where a lot of things were not going my way um, after I graduated with college, but Mass Effect ended up being this one respite that I could always go back and just go through a story and 
just see what I can do differently, to play out the story differently, and see what I can find that I didn't previously find before. And um, then that obviously branched out into other, you know, me trying to find and discover other RPGs of that same uh, style. Um, nowadays, I still get into a lot of RPGs, still a lot of adventure open world games. Still a lot of first-person shooters. Man, um, very recently, it was only just within this last year, I started learning um, how to play tabletop games. In fact, the um, Bunkers and Badasses game that uh, I joined in on with uh, this podcast group was the first time I've actually ever played a tabletop game. Albeit it was virtually, but still the first time I ever played it. And now my brother has successfully gotten me into, uh, he's been getting into Magic the Gathering here for the last year with his friends. And he's, yeah, um, my coffee table now has, is just completely covered with a deck that um, I ended up buying over the weekend because I downloaded the, um, Arena had recently became available for uh, mobile, and I figured I'd give that a shot, played through some tutorials and that kind of thing. But um, so I'm I'm learning that I'm not. I mean, granted, I'm sure all addicts start saying this. Like, I don't have intentions of going too deep into that, but I did <laughs> want to pick up a deck so that way I could at least join in on a game of his uh, if I wanted to and at least have a deck that I was familiar with where jumping to the game wasn't half spent of okay let's reteach Brian how to replay this game again um, because I think that was something that's always struggled for me was uh, learning card games is that I would always just instantly forget what the hell it was how this game would play out and stuff and um Another thing I've been kind of getting into was uh, trying to uh, see more about like uh, mobile gaming of what is available in that regards, and that's why you hear me sometimes talk about things like the Apple Arcade um, subscription service because um, one of my biggest things that I love to do is travel. I one of my biggest things I is I want to see as much as the world as humanly possible. So how do you how do you balance traveling with something that is pretty sedimentary of playing video games? And um, recently, I've been trying to see like what could I do that when I'm out and about traveling, can I also still engage in my favorite hobby that has always been with me throughout this entire time? And things like the Switch and stuff, some of the stuff that's been coming out on the iPhone has really been uh, huge, uh, at the risk of eye rolls, has been actually honestly pretty awesome. Uh, when I flew to Australia back in January 2019, I, I played um, Wolfenstein The New Colossus hmm. all the way through during that 14-hour flight. Hell yeah. So that's how I played uh, that game, and I still—that's still one of my. I love uh, sharing that story and stuff like that because I'm just sitting there, just kind of crammed in to you know your basic, uh, the mo- most inexpensive seat and stuff like that between these two guys, and I'm sitting here playing Wolfenstein on my Switch and stuff. Um, and then, uh, and that's also kind of like 
And then, uh, sorry, excuse me. This last Christmas, when I was um, heading back up, I one game kind of uh, really opened my eyes about the potential that really has yet to be tapped into. I think with with mobile gaming is I played The Pathless, which is available on Apple Arcade. And it's also available on PS4, PS5, I think Xbox. I, I, I'd have to look at it. I know I definitely see it advertised for PlayStation. Um, it's uh, Annapurna, and it's this really, really beautiful open world game that Annapurna did. And I highly recommend giving this a shot if you can. But the thing that really stood out to me is the fact that I was playing on mobile, the touch um, controls really worked out um, very well for me and it things like Apple Arcade were more of a viable option than say um, streaming through like xCloud or um, Google Stadia is because I was heading back to the same home where it still has DSL um, internet and so streaming video games let alone streaming videos really is an option so thankfully I thought ahead and downloaded these to my phone and my uh, tab, my iPad, and uh, the fact that they, a game like this, I feel, is able to be achieved and playable and on a mobile platform, I think is something that I don't know if a lot of people are talking about, um, and they should be talking about, and I think there's a lot of potential to be able to do this in um you know, just expand the reach of gaming this way. And because one of the things that I would love, you know, this, it, it perfectly catered towards what I loved is just open world exploration, action, stuff like that. But I didn't have to worry about whether or not uh, I had an internet connection or if I had uh, a beefy console to carry around and stuff like that. Because I did tried to see if I could stuff my PS5 into a backpack and it barely fit but I was definitely not comfortable having it there so makes sense um, yeah yeah so I, I definitely look forward to once COVID is over going back and getting back out into the world and uh, you know seeing also what is available on, you know and exploring this path of gaming and stuff like that in you know the downtimes of like say you know you're on the flight or waiting at the um gates or something like that for sure so so i i've got a i've got to point out that when you were talking about getting into rpgs in the 360 era i got really really hyped for a minute because one of my all-time favorites is a 360 exclusive rpg um the, then i realized you didn't mention any jrpgs because lost odyssey Lost. is it was a 360 exclusive and it was just phenomenal I didn't know if you were going to say that or Blue Dragon Blue Dragon was also really good I but really it, Blue Dragon. I remember the names for the but I don't think I yeah I don't think I ever tried those I have tried some JRPGs and stuff like that and I've really enjoyed a few but most of them have been through um, playing it on Nintendo Switch more than anything else in the last couple of years it's a it's not a genre that I've gotten too heavily involved in. I played uh, a couple Final Fantasy games, um, but beyond that, it, it wasn't really a genre that really got into until the last couple of years here for that. If you want a really, really good story, then Lost Odyssey is definitely it. 
And then okay. as far as magic, since you started talking about that, uh, what kind of deck did you pick up? So I am a huge sucker for Greek mythology, and so games like uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey and uh, Immortals Phoenix Ridings, Rising were, I think, were predatorily targeted for someone exactly like me. <laughs> and so I ended up getting the uh, Theros Beyond Death um, uh, cards that came out last year because I know that those were inspired by Greek mythology. And my brother actually ended up being so excited for the fact that I finally bought a deck. Um, well, I, I wouldn't say a deck. I, well, I did. they are two challenger decks that have yet to show up, but what showed up yesterday was the um, uh, a 10-pack uh, set for Theros Beyond Death. Um, and we were opening that yesterday at my house until uh, half of my fence decided to fall over in high winds. Um, yeah, never a dull moment here. Yeah, we um, just had hail. I don't know if you had any of that. <laughs> yeah, I, it's been pouring rain, so I've been trying to make sure that uh, it hasn't been coming through on the uh, on the recording. So I've been trying to adjust the microphone volume, make sure that that isn't coming through too loud. Um, so I I got super into magic a few years back because my wife's cousin um, introduced it back into my life, and <laughs> we just played very casually as far as like rule sets go. We didn't worry about a lot of like restrictions and banned cards and stuff, or like we just you know we didn't worry about playing in standard and only playing with those current cards. We if we had stuff that we liked, we played it. Um, yeah. Some ridiculous deck builds. Um, I still have a bunch of them. I think there was a time that I wiped out six people at once, which was crazy. Um, <laughs> like, I won an entire game thanks to a ridiculous combo. It gets fun. It gets deep. And the worst thing you can ever do is if you find one really neat card that you like that's worth some money, don't keep it, sell it. Because yeah. I try to build a whole deck around just having that card, and it's not good. <laughs> I think I got a couple of cards that may have fallen in that character. Uh, category, unfortunately. I think there was one that was called like Shadow Spear or Shatter Spear or something like that. My brother saw that I had gotten it and he just went over the moon. It's like, that's a good card. A, a, a couple years ago, I got I pulled a card that looked really dope. It was worth like 40 bucks and I was like, I'm going to go sell this because it looks <laughs> cool. I know it's worth a little bit of money, but if I keep it, I'm just going to try to build a deck around it and it's going to yeah. be a and I'm going to spend that much trying to build that deck, so I sold it. That was like not my problem anymore. See, I've been getting some contrarian advice to that. My brother's been saying that it's like you know he can. He's been holding on to some of those valuable cards, and he's he's only been doing this for probably the last year, year and a half, something like that. And mm-hmm. some of the cards that he's gotten have doubled or even tripled in value since the time that he got them. And so he. he we jokingly refer to it as like it's just another form of stocks. So, oh, anything collectible like that is. Yeah, that's how I yeah. treat comic books. I have a yeah. copy of Rule of Rose for PS2 sitting in the garage right now, complete. So oh, uh, that's an eight hundred dollar game right now. So, so See, and that that's the thing that I'm worried about is like collectibles and me are a very dangerous combination because I will get sucked mm-hmm. into collectibles. I got two totes in the closet in the room that I'm currently sitting in completely full of Star Wars Black Series figures that I yeah I got sucked into that for a hot minute and man that was a 
that was an ugly phase, and I regret that deeply, but they're there. <laughs> yeah, I just started getting back into building uh, Star Wars Lego sets. Oh my god, they're the oh, best, though. That's the thing. That's I definitely expensive. have. Well, Star Wars Lego sets, at least you, there's something you can do with it. Like, it, There's something about like spending an afternoon just following directions and just building mm-hmm. the sweet set, and then you can just set it on the bookshelf, and it's there. Um, and then it, I got and your into dog that. Eats because, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got into it because uh, a job that I was working was, um, for l- lack of going into it fully, it was a bad job and it was very stressful and it was taking a very bad toll on me. And it got to a point where I would just go to um, Myers on after having to work on a weekend or something like that, have a bad weekend. I was just going, it's like, um, you know what? I'm getting the $150 Star Destroyer and I'm spending the next uh, the rest of the day building that thing. And yeah, so that's where that came about. For sure, yeah, there's so. some massive ones out there. Like, going oh, to like uh, Disney Springs and going to the Lego that's store there. It's dangerous just, store for me. Like They have like a massive Star Destroyer that is just... An $700. Yeah, I don't even want yeah. to discuss... It's so much. Um, but, I have the uh, UCS um, Slave One myself. That was two hundred dollars. That is a beautiful looking set. So, one of the interesting things, uh, yeah, how how we're all connected. I feel like we all are connected in one way or another. Um, it's went, Mass Effect. It's it's Mass Effect. But no, no, personally. Um, <laughs> So, uh, Austin, Johnny, and I uh, met when we worked at the same video game retailer. Uh, mm-hmm. Austin and I moved to Florida for college. Brian moved to Florida for college uh, a couple of years ago. I think it's probably, has it been about two years now, Brian, you would say? That, um, we, it was like 2019, Yeah, we met right? up. Yeah, it was, um, it was the kind of funny meet and greet in, because on... In back in May of 2019, because that was on the same day as my 30th birthday. It was the first time I ever went to a community event for anything, and I've been a huge Rooster Teeth fan and kind of funny fan for the longest time. And finally, it's like, you know what? This is going on my 30th birthday. I need to do something community related and uh, end up running in. Well, we were just standing in line to meet Tim, and uh, you and Ashley were sta- uh, standing next to me, and we just got into conversation. And yeah, it happened who- even a little before that. Like we went to the like, I w- we were sitting down and just waiting. People were kind of filing in, and that's right, with some random people. And then yeah, you came in, and started talking, and you're like, yeah, you know, I moved down here from Ohio, and I was like, oh, cool, where from? We're from Ohio, and you're like Finley, and I was like. What? And and actually, nobody's from Finley. What? And I was like, yeah, no, that's that's where we moved here from. Um, And then you're like, hey, do you know so and so? I was like, yeah, he used to sleep on my couch. (laughs) Uh, Which was another friend that we used to play D and D with. And then uh, looking back at it, um, uh, Brian used to go to our store. Yeah. Yeah. So we sold him video games and talked probably uh, in link with video games. Uh, oh, 100%, absolutely. Because it was just one, it, it was during that phase that I was talking about earlier where I was in a very 
it was a down point in my life and I had very few things to look forward to and video games were definitely one of the things I had to look forward to and it was uh, your store that I was able to get a PS4 day one Mm -hmm. um, with and I wasn't on the original reserve list I was on a backup reserve list for it where I was like on a you know you guys uh, I gave you my number and like you call up like hey we have pre-orders available and I it was like at the end of the day uh, and I'm like yeah I'll be there in a few minutes to put that down yeah so that's how we're all connected by the way Uh, (laughs) actually the, the true answer is everybody is somehow tangentially related to Ohio yeah. That, that applies to every human being on Earth. Somehow. <laughs> yeah, everyone in Florida, like I was, I've been saying, like, yeah. Ohio, like, Florida is just the Ohio of the South. It's just yeah. Ohio, Michigan, and New York. So. Well, what was, there was, um, there was a meme I remember back in college that a friend of mine had sent to me, and it was an astronaut sitting on the side of the road, mm-hmm. and said, if Ohio's so great, why is everyone trying so desperately to leave it? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. That gave me a chuckle. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, that that I think that's a pretty good backstory. Do you guys have anything else to add? Anything else you want um, to pepper in there? I I figured just maybe to just say in there that's like I think one of the things that really, on top of like playing to my love of exploration is um the thing that also really has gotten me into or kept me with gaming is the fact of connectivity with your friends and stuff like that Mm -hmm. being able to hang out with each other and it doesn't matter where you're living at you're still able to have fun with each other and keep the friendship going in that way and find new friendships and i think that's one of the biggest uh the other biggest reason why i love this genre um entertainment um the most it's weirdly the opposite for me i got super into video games and and they stuck with my entire life because i did a lot of moving and didn't have a lot of friends Mm -hmm. so i had video games the whole time instead yeah i still don't do a lot of multiplayer Uh, i do mostly single player stuff it takes a lot of pull to get me to dedicate the little bit of spare time i have to go into a multiplayer game (laughs) that's how i am too yeah for me for me it was um I guess kind of a mix of both of those, actually. Like, I never moved too far. Um, So it was like, oh, I moved. Uh, Now my friends are, like, a couple towns away or whatever. Um, So, you know, it was still, you know, trying to play online games. But, you know, majority of the time playing single-player things. Um, You know, mostly, like... RPGs, but I played like a little bit of everything. Like as a kid, I remember going through like even like a sports phase, playing like the NHL games or whatever. Um, oh, my friends definitely. Had, we had a FIFA phase for a hot minute, and I I was in a love hate relationship with that game. Like it was fun <laughs> playing it with them, but I I would get so angry at that game. I had to walk away from that. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, you know, going forward, of course, uh, we'll talk about things that we're interested in, you know, more recent. Uh, so, you know, if you guys continue to listen, you'll definitely get those, um, you know, all of those takes. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a good jumping on point for that. Yeah, um, we just thought 
it's a you know it's a good time. This is the first time we've all, like we said earlier, been together at once here to be able to really talk. Mm-hmm. We've probably had some new people come in. You know, we've started streaming out to, to different sources and uploaded to different places now than than original. So yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, if you guys want to keep up with us individually, um, Twitter is usually a good place to go to. Uh, of course. <laughs> can be found at night swarm um i think uh yeah austin you changed yours to at filter court johnny yeah uh, at johnny riot and brian at major potty i got all that right right i believe so okay cool cool um so uh talking about a little bit of restructuring that we plan on doing around the show just some of the things that we want to do um this show is going to be uh, I don't know if it's going to be a bit longer or if it's going to be right, you know, a little longer than we kind of anticipated, but we plan on breaking some stuff up. Typically, if you join the show, we talk for a bit, we jump into um, any sort of, uh, you know, subscription games that you're going to be getting, Game Pass, uh, Games with Gold, PlayStation Plus, and then as well, the games releasing. We're going to take that section and we're going to do that once a month and we're going to talk about all that stuff. Um, and the podcast should uh, it, it should release in place of where this podcast is. It should release on Mondays, um, at, right at the beginning of the month. And then um, Tuesdays will be our uh, regular show. Um, the show that you're listening here, we're going to move it from Mondays to Tuesdays. Going to be a little shorter. Just jumping into uh, you know our regular banter and talking a bit more, um, focusing a bit more on the news, things that are happening. In the industry um yeah uh and that change comes from to honestly a consistency thing um there are some weeks as you guys know that there's not a lot of games coming out that are worth talking about yeah, um, yeah. and uh, it's also a matter of at least once a month we would go on really big about those week those monthly freebies uh you know your xbox live your playstation plus titles so we okay. figured why not just kind of clump all those together as one thing um, let that be its little target release. If you guys want to hear about specific games coming out and what those freebies are and our impressions of them, awesome. You'll have one dedicated place for it. And then uh, we'll be able to use our, our normal show for you know our, our weekly news updates like we have been and maybe some extra shows sparkled in there. Yeah, yeah. we have some ideas for some extras that are fun. Um, of course, we want to try getting together and gaming a little bit more. Uh, so... Um, you know, we'll see what we can do with that and uh, streaming that stuff. So I don't know if that'll end up being uh, something that we do on the regular, but it is something that uh, we don't need everybody for, which is cool. Um, so, you know, a few of us, you know, um, you know, if someone wants to join in, cool. If they don't, that's cool, too. Um, I know, uh, especially Brian and I, we play a decent amount of, uh, you know, random whatever's i know we're looking at right now uh um we have no man's sky we played uh, a bit of call of duty and we've been talking about warzone a bit more which i played a decent amount already but um you know never like i've yet to drop into for dance yet so i've been looking at but i've been more caught up with the uh uh traditional multiplayer for call of duty lately just because it's been an age and a half since i'd had gotten into it and been entertained with how much has changed with it. Yeah, and then um, as well, we get these uh, freebies all the time. So I think uh, a few of us just downloaded um, 
one of this month's freebies, the uh, is it Army Zombie Zombie Army Four? That's the one. Yep. Uh, so we might do a play um, a, a play of that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, that's um, that's just kind of I guess some housekeeping, some things that we plan on doing, uh, and and you know just going from there. Um, okay. And we're also hoping to to spread out a little bit further. Um, I know we've talked about it constantly before, but. Uh, we're really hoping to to boost this stream out to uh, at least for live to hit some different places. Yeah, um, you know, I I, uh, I think that might be something that I start next week. Just I want to get a little bit more uh, information on it. We definitely streamed to Twitch for a long time, um, and then uh, switched to Facebook because our Facebook audience was just bigger um, by about eight times the amount uh yeah i would say so so <laughs> it, it only made sense uh to switch over here but um i think we are going to start multi-streaming streaming to twitch and you know wherever else we can get that to go to i think maybe youtube and just kind of keep it in all of the places at the same time um which should be fairly simple uh but yeah just some stuff there there might be some changes to the show don't be alarmed uh, it's all still there. There might just be uh, more than one show. So, and of course, keep up with social media. We'll keep you guys updated on there too. Yeah, that's pretty um, much where all of our, uh, you know, we talk weekly about the Epic Game Store stuff. That's where you're going to be able to find that. Uh, you know, on Facebook, Twitter, um, TikTok. We've been doing some stuff over there. Um, and uh, yeah, with some of these extra things, I like the idea of being able to add in some production value. Uh, it's something that I really like to do, and I just feel like um, we got just a little bit stagnant, and you know, into what we were doing, and we weren't trying to do anything extra. Uh, and that's where the innovation, and I, for me, where some of the fun happens. Um, so that's definitely something I'm very interested in getting into. All right. Um, so why don't we get into? Yeah, how about, how about some how about some news? Because yeah. <laughs> man, did this week have some weird stuff? But not um, a lot. Yeah, not a lot. Some definite big ones that we can be uh, very passionate about. Um, but also some uh, some little ones in there. Um, actually, this is a this is one that I think is kind of fun. Um, just because it's a short one, doesn't take a lot of, of a lot of getting into. Sure. Um, there's a game that some of us were kind of looking forward to. We kept seeing some dope trailers about it. We kept hoping for more and more, and it kept looking better and better. Um, and that is none other than Deathloop. Um, yeah, that one got pushed back to uh, September 14th. Yeah, delayed loop. Delayed loop. <laughs> um, I mean, it still looks like it's going to be great, but that's the second delay so far. Um, I'm the... okay with it. That's fine. What's the elevator pitch for this game? Elevator pitch for this game? Yeah, like because I—I mean, honestly, I've seen a lot of trailers. Um, I have very little knowledge of actually what. Yeah, it's is. hard to mentally process exactly yeah, what it's the whole, doing. Like, die repeat thing. Like, yeah. it's kind of that. Yeah. yeah it, are you rewinding time to do things right? Um, I think it's just a matter of it's reward. a time loop. It's a time loop that resets every time you die. Um, mm. it's weird. Um, I really want to play it though because I like Arcane. I really like Arcane. Yeah. Um, sure. So I'm yeah, very excited. 
for a moment I was going to say Looper, but I think you got the better uh, description there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this did look cool. Uh, so, you know, if they need some more time to work on it, for sure. Uh, you know, we're at a, we're in a weird space, especially when it comes to work right now. Um, I, I, not, and not just like in America. So, uh, you know, I, I think giving anybody, at, anybody working on entertainment just a little bit more time to do things, I think that's well, you know, well warranted. All right. Uh, so, um, hey, actually, since we are just kind of, uh, since we are just kind of skipping around, um, Brian, you brought up the, um, you brought up uh, something interesting um, that I, I didn't bring it up right away. I was thinking about it, but didn't put it in there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there was um, originally a video. Uh, with um, some uh, Kojima production stuff in the background uh, while they were talking about some Xbox-related stuff. And that immediately started the rumor of, oh, Kojima is going to be working with Xbox on their next title. Um, I guess the talks may be getting slightly more serious. From what I understand, uh, according to Jeff Grubb at VentureBeat, is that the lawyers are in negotiation phase right now to do a collaboration between Kojima Studios and Xbox. Okay. And, and I think that's pretty much the most of so, like tan, like actual tangible things that can be pointed at this time. And I think and everything else is obviously um, speculation. Wouldn't it be interesting for him to make his next game um, a uh, Xbox PC exclusive? I wouldn't think it'd be outside of his realm considering that he just did that for playstation with right. death stranding that he's now probably going to try it out with xbox and you know to do the same with xbox i i think that just kind of fits with just what kojima is just kind of doing he's doing now that he's no longer with um konami that he's just doing his own thing and wanting to uh Find you know wanting to tell his stories where he thinks he feels like the best can tell them, and he's doing it in a way that I think he um, doesn't want to be tied down by a large production company because I'm sure the pain of what he went through that he still and probably in in within his own right uh, doesn't want to disclose that. Uh, um, excuse me, I'm starting to get uh, dried. Uh, that he wants to um, just kind of do his own thing and not have to worry about oversight telling him what he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah really where he's coming from because he was tied down for a long time being told what to do. So it's in, it's interesting um, on what he'll do. I wonder if he'll do a tour around... If he does that, I wonder if he'll do a tour around um, Xbox just the same way he did around the PlayStation Studios. I have a feeling that we'll probably, like, if it's in this phase, I mean, there might be something that they might be able to point at in time for E3 in a couple of months, and maybe they'll do a similar thing of what they did with um, Cyberpunk, where Kojima, you know, just walks out in front of whatever virtual platform it is um, to potentially the same effect for a new Xbox 
um, exclusive or something. I can see that happening. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, I'll just uh, uh, speculation at this point. So we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens with that. Um, one of the other things, just something small to note. Um, here on the 15th, uh, April 15th, we'll have the Resident Evil Showcase event. Uh, it's supposed to be dropping a uh, another Resident Evil Village trailer um, just ahead of its release. Uh, when is Man, I am release? all about more Lady Tiramisu content. <laughs> what, what, the release date is, is it the 18th? I don't remember exactly what the date is on that. Um, but yeah, uh, this one will be probably the last trailer right before release. Uh, dropping some uh, additional news along the way as well. So um, not too sure on what additional news they have, but I do know um, we have uh, the Resident Evil Reverse open beta uh, that is you know, something that people are getting to check out finally. So yeah, um, got some stuff going on with that. Uh, do you guys want to take on the big article? Or... Austin, do you want to take that article? We we got to finish on the other one because I'm about to get heated. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. So we'll talk uh, Age of Empires 4 then. So, yeah, there's a Age of Empires 4 to be announced, or uh, I should say to be released uh, end of this year. We're looking at like late fall release. I see that slipping, mm-hmm. but, you know, we got a, we got a theory at least, so that's something um so there's going to be i believe they've said uh it's asymmetrical factions um there's going to be i think eight factions with four campaigns so a lot of i think the campaigns are mostly going to be like you know the starting out on like uh two the factions that are nearby to each other facing off and then expanding or kind of do like a global domination type thing i imagine Mm -hmm. um but yeah, they're it's sort of interesting. Um, it seems like they're kind of uh, trying to delve more into each faction's kind of more unique than they had been in the past. So like yeah, Age of Empires 2 in particular was like, you had like a unique couple buildings and units and that was pretty much it. Everybody was the same otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is definitely different than that. Yeah, you have, you have to look at the fact that every culture and every age like there were big differences in there not everyone was just a different color of like their outfit yeah i mean there's a reason that these certain uh empires or whatever that we know of tended to be overwhelmingly powerful is because they had some kind of advanced tactic or gear or whatever than someone else was so right well, advanced so, tactic, and then also agriculture definitely play into the thing. Because if you can feed your troops, you can grow your troops, and you can go and take over someone else's place, too. Exactly. So, yeah, it's like the people that had a good starting position and were able to, you know, lock down over a period of time and then slowly branch out and uh, kind of take more area under their sway. Mm-hmm. So, it'll be interesting to see. I know Age of Empires three was... Kind of, there's a segment of the fan base that likes it, but it was going for a totally different thing. It was like revolutionary America, which was just a very odd change of what they had been doing. Um, I don't know. This one looks like they're almost going more. They're like kind of starting to move in like the Civ type direction, um, with just much more detailed combat. So almost like a mix of Civ and like Total War. So 
it'll be interesting to see a little more of this. I want to see some more complex systems. I want to see like if you take down, uh, like if you take down a, an enemy faction, and mm. kind of just like absorb them. Now their territories or your territories. Does that influence from those? I want to see a. I want to see something like one of these games where that like influence of whatever that culture was in that area, like maintain. Mm-hmm. It's just now they have a different, you know like a different leadership style. Yeah, I would be really interested to see that. That'd be cool. Because I feel like now it's just like, well, now you're, you know, Russian or whatever, you know. It's like you're, you know, now you're just whatever we are. uh, And and it all switches over at once. Um, So that's interesting. All right. So the big story, uh, um, Big story of the day. Um, Jesus the Christ. Ru- rumor at this point. It's not, we have not received anything. Um, yeah, there's not an official confirmation on this. But the, Can we please just beg that there won't be? The Last um, of Us getting a remake. All right. There. Again. It's out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, just from... Uh, I, I I know people who work at this company that have said, you know, hey, I'm working on an unnamed project. Could be anything. Um, you know, I try not to dig in on my friends or anything like that when it comes to it, just because I know that can be, um, you know, kind of shitty. Uh, so um, We all know how NDAs work. Let's be real. Right, yeah. right. Um, but... It's well too soon for this, right? Like how when did we get when did we get this game originally? Okay, so yeah, hold up. Thirteen. Let's go back here. We got Was the game. Twenty thirteen. Eleven thirteen. So we got The Last of Us. Yeah, twenty thirteen. And then we got the PS4 version. Uh-huh. And then we got updates to the PS4 version to make it better for the PS5. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why would we need a PS5 version? The only thing because I can think of is yeah. because of the recently announced HBO series is that with that, there's going to be even more exposure and they're going to want to try to capitalize on that exposure to the franchise. Mm-hmm. So you bring, up a, you bring up a really fun point that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. yeah. So, so. If you guys remember, let's go back a little bit. Let's go. Let's go back Rewind to another awesome PlayStation series that some weird stuff happened to. Do you remember Ratchet and Clank? Ratchet and Clank was dope. One of my favorite PS2 games, without a doubt. Oh um, yeah. And then uh, a while back, they decided let's make a Ratchet and Clank movie that's kind of based on the first game. And I thought that's neat. That seems fair. Okay. And then they said, why don't we release a game that's based on that movie? And I said, based on a game. Are you high? Because what? <laughs> and they said yes. And then they released <laughs> it for free recently. <laughs> yeah. So any of you guys that don't have that new that Ratchet and Clank 2016 game out there, they've been, they've been giving out for free. Um, pick it up because it's based on the movie. That's based on the game. So they even joke about it in the game too. Yes. Yes. It's so, very much like so, someone's retelling of something. It's so I'm self aware. They've already told us we know, we know a little bit about the HBO or about the the Last of Us series in the sense that they said that it won't be a direct one to one of the of the game. 
Um, they are going to take some liberties here and there. It won't be an exact retelling. Which yeah. will piss people I off. I swear to God, it doesn't matter what they do. It's going to oh, piss people off. You know that. Yeah, no, they're, it's going to make um, so many people mad. I, uh, but the thing is, like, are we going to get The Last of Us game based on The Last of Us TV show based on The Last of Us game? Based on The Last of Us movie. Because right? if we based get a game... game that's based more on the TV series than on the game. I don't even know, and I, I can't say any of this with a straight face. I I would say that with Ratchet and Clank, you could get away with doing the game based on the movie, based on the game. Yeah. But with Last of Us, I see because it's a more mature uh, story, I think it's probably, they're probably not going to touch anything from the original story. What they probably want to do is probably update the mechanics and the visual of it. And what I probably would guess is that they'll probably do this and also try to do Last of Us 2 um, for PS5 and then combine the two as like a two-for-one kind of bundle deal of like, here's the complete story so far. Because that's at least my prediction on it because they probably... They know that they're probably going to get some people coming from the HBO series. HBO has um, made a name for itself for its excellent miniseries. I highly recommend checking out the uh, Watchmen miniseries that they did. It is phenomenal. Um, And that's going to draw interest into people wanting to explore more of this world. Just like what Game of Thrones did. The show brought people into reading the books. And so they want to have uh, the best presentation that they can with The Last of Us story, I think. And that's why they want to do that. And I think with the studio, too, isn't the studio that is rumored to be working on this, like a more recently acquired studio? I haven't heard anything about that. Um, So, yeah, originally it was um, Sony Bend was working on it or a uncharted or something and then the like visual arts assistant group at sony got it and then i guess naughty dog is taking it back over it sounds like okay i don't know it's what what Uh. the i think the core of the story is not really just that they're doing this which is inherently just like you know why the last game already holds up it's still perfectly playable as we saw by everybody playing it to get ready for Last of Us Part Two, right? Right. So, the the root of the problem for me really is that you know, this is my little tease I put in earlier. It's just like okay, let's just recreate this one thing over and over again and just get money off it forever, and then I never have to have another idea again, right? And it's like that is a core idea behind really the last twenty or thirty or forty years of Disney. Well, what if we just did a live-action version of this? Well, what if we did a new animated version of this? Well, what if we made a TV show about this? Well, what if we did... What if what if we sell shade this? What if I... You know, they, it's like... What if I make a whole massive uh, re-release project of, like... Oh, we're going to do a whole new run of all these Marvel comics now, that everybody already had to buy. Well, go, going back to Disney, though, I, I will give some of it to Disney. Um, Disney has always had a habit of vaulting their product, so they will only release it for so long. Um, and that, that that's fine. I, I've been okay with that. So when it mm-hmm. does come to like a remake or something, there's there's always a chance that someone else didn't get their hands on that. And, and also to really experience the original. 
but this game, dude, this this game is the Last of Us is still it's like, readily available. Yeah. Oh yeah. In so many forms, <laughs> you can it, walk into it. Available on PlayStation Plus collection if you dude, right. You can walk into yeah. a game and drop three bucks for a physical copy for the PS3 version. It's it's yeah. not that it's that hard to get. Yeah. Like here is my problem. When Last of Us came out, it was huge. No one can deny that it was a vastly different approach. Um, that game did things in the opening sequence that games had never done before. Mm-hmm. What that did is it set a new tone. It set a new pro- a new perspective. Going forward after that, my biggest complaint about game reviews is that everybody wanted everything to be another Last of Us. Yeah. That can't happen. You know, if there wasn't some big, ooh, wow, what happened? I can't believe they did that, and then a crazy good story to follow through on it. It, it's, it raised the bar. The original Last of Us raised the bar so far that I, I feel like they, everyone has to just kind of accept, especially Sony at this point, that you can't do that again. Well, that's part of the thing, too, is that I, I think be, Naughty Dog has be been... Um, Naughty Dog has been especially good at this, in particular, with... Um, were they the original Crash Bandicoot? Yep. Mm-hmm. So yep. they, you know, they had they had Crash Bandicoot, and then they later came back and said, "Hey, what about uh, similar but a different tone, a little more serious, still funny, still funky, Jack and Daxter." Love those games. And then they came back and said, "So you guys remember uh, Tomb Raider? Those have kind of all been shit for a while. What if we did kind of like a Tomb Raider thing, kind of like an Indiana Jones thing, but with a lighter tone that, you know, they're good at delivering the kind of humor and wackiness and everything. Um, they came up with Uncharted, which was sort of unprecedented in its time. Um, I don't really know what you'd even compare it against when it was coming out. And then they came back again and they said, yeah, what if basically the Uncharted engine and Uncharted style game but just a completely serious, dreadful, um, you know, grim tone. And like, what if we did another zombie thing, but there's a twist on it. It's not really about zombies. It's about this other thing. And like, they were able to have these huge successes by coming at things from new and original and interesting directions. And Sony has kind of looked at that and said, yeah, but what if we just did that over and 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 we just keep cashing in on it forever? Yeah, like you know, like I said, my problem is that like they they've got studios now that are so good at raising the bar and setting right. a new height, and they've done it. Sony has Sony. That's always been my argument is that Sony has the capability to constantly drop amazing exclusive content that yeah. every time raises the bar with a new IP. Every time, Horizon Zero Dawn was huge. Infamous Ghost of Tsushima was, was huge. Yeah. I loved the Infamous series. And Death Stranding. The second song, they were huge. Death Stranding was huge, even though it was weird as hell. It was huge. Yeah, it's a new type of game. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Like, Sony is so good at raising these new bars. The problem is, like, every once in a while, they get someone that wants to go back and try to jump up and grab that bar again. It's like, just fucking let it go, dude. Well, they're... I mean, they're... Um... It's almost like they're getting defensive. Like, they're trying to turtle up and just, like, cash a few checks. And yeah. But it's, like, it's really odd to me that there has not been, like, a winner or loser in the console, this new console generation yet. I mean, I think it's pretty definitive PS3 got their ass kicked. 
mm-hmm. uh, Xbox One got its ass kicked, right? Yeah. And the, the thing right now so. that we're seeing, right now we're seeing it, and it's and it's not the console that's doing it. It's it's like game, there's no doubt that Game Pass is out there. Like it's the ecosystem serving right. stuff up, and it's a right. service that's doing it. Sony knows that they don't have a service that can compete, so Sony is trying to flash their big ass peacock tail and say, "Don't forget our exclusive IPs that you guys love." But it, it, they need to be looking at, "Don't forget to like look at our amazing talent that can mm-hmm. do things that you guys will love." Yeah, right. Um, and sure. that's that's kind of the problem that we're seeing is they're they're flashing it the wrong way. They're they're showing us the look what we did. They're not showing us the look what we can do. They're yeah. they're very much yeah. in the business of making money. No matter which way you cut it, they're like, we want to make money. And their idea is that old mentality of, oh, we found something that was successful. Let's do more of that. People want yeah. more of that. They're not there's it, none of these people in any of this industry go, you know what someone would love? Something completely different than what they loved last time. Because it, it seldom works out. I mean, I can't think of a company that has done that where they've reinvented themselves over and over without making something else in the same series, you know, um, or even in the same vein. I'm just trying to, you know, the the success I always and they always see financially comes from, oh, we just released Final Fantasy, which was the final fantasy for them. That first game was supposed to be the that was it for them if they can't make it. And now we're on Final Fantasy 16 coming up. Like, yeah. it is, if it's successful, even if it's not successful, several titles in there were not very successful. I, I mean, gameplay-wise. Yeah. Um, it just, it it makes them money, though. So that's why they keep doing it. Because it'll always make them money. You know, it's that same argument for sports games. Why do they release one each year? It's easy. Yeah. It's simple. They can make they can make sixty bucks on it, um, you know. Even if it is a core audience, not worrying about bringing new people in. Um, they worry about bringing new people in, but they trick them. <laughs> hey, look! This is a new experience. We uh, uh, we updated. Um, they, they changed something. just enough. They right. they slightly tweak the controls. They slightly tweak progression systems. Uh, I would feedback. often tell I would often tell people with sports games that you don't want to keep last year's up until the new one comes out. You you want to drop it about a month or two prior to let those like must let that muscle memory die because mm-hmm. it's going to fuck you up on the new one right off the rip. And that's really about all that happens with sports games. Yeah. But I, I feel like that I just I don't know if this is a, a knee jerk reaction if this if this is true and they are remaking Last of Us. Is this a knee-jerk reaction from Sony in a panic response of we have to get this guaranteed cash grab out again? Uh, oh no, what are we going to do? But there's still a lot of other content that's Sony exclusive that we're just waiting to drop. Um, and so many people have pointed out how many franchises does Sony have the capability of, of rebooting and reviving that they haven't touched. Mm-hmm. Um, everything ranging from Twisted Metal to Sly Cooper to just everything there's there's so much out there that sony has had that it just if if, gave up. if i don't get crystal dynamics making a gex game i'm buying it from them i think we should go in and we should buy gex from them 
and, and maybe someone should it. notify THQ Nordic to uh, buy Gex from them. They're in the business of buying it up. Hashtag, hashtag bring back Gex, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Embracer sure. group has logged into the chat. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, and my, my hope for uh, this live action Last of Us thing that we're that, that we're getting for HBO um, was I was hoping live let's action Gex go a different direction. Let's let's these people are in this world, Joel and Ellie, and these people. Yeah, exist. we talked about that before. I like, love to we see wanted someone yeah. fresh, but then they're like, "Well, Pedro Pascal is Joel," and everyone's like, "Well, fuck, we're not getting that now because what are they going to do? Have him on for a half a episode?" No, they're gonna have him on dead center for every episode. So it's definitely going to be about the same shit that we've been looking at since 2013. It's weird that Joel wears Mandalorian power armor at all times. Now. That is weird. <laughs> it was just a weird mod. <laughs> um, just a phase he was going through. It's just a phase. <laughs> it's weird that Ellie kept eating these eggs too out of this jar. Yeah, that was fucked up. That was fucked borderline up. genocidal. That was okay. That's a different podcast, I think. But like, <laughs> are, we, are we? But what are we going to see out of this? That's the big thing. Like, none of us knows for sure. It's probably going to be great. Um, this the show, and I don't really even care as much. Like, whatever, it's it's its own thing. The Last of Us was already such a piece of art that I'm mad that they did more with it anyway. Yeah, right. that's the thing. And we talked about that at length before two dropped. Yeah. Well, I also think. This basically cements that a Last of Us Part Three is happening, right? Likely. I mean, I don't see why they'd stop now. <laughs> you know, I, I don't see it was success. <laughs> two was successful, successful enough for them to get their own TV show. So of course they're going to make it their yeah. game. I just, I wish it were just possible to just make something and just fucking move on. It just exists, and then you go, "Hey, that was cool," and then yeah. you're done. Yeah, not possible though. Um, well, I, I, I'm trying to wonder, like, what is actually something like that? I know. What is something that was bigly, like, not earth-shattering, but, like, it was big, it was, it made a it made a decent profit, has a bit of a cult following, and that was it. They just never touched it again. I'm thinking Sunset Overdrive. Oh, uh, God, yes. Please. Uh, yeah. That yeah. was one of the games that got me to get an xbox one because originally with that generation my intent was same with my current intent of just trying to be a singular console which i know is restrictive but in this current generation i could potentially get into game pass and still access xbox's games library without needing to get an actual xbox whereas in the past generation i just wanted to get a playstation and then I saw there was two things that won me over it was the Master Chief Collection getting ODST, which I know I'm in the minority of people who love ODST, but I loved ODST. Yeah, and then um, Sunset Overdrive was the other game I really wanted to play, and that's what won me over in getting an Xbox. So, let me backstep a second. You said that uh, filter. You said that you know what other thing we had where there was something that was a, a big pop that turned out profitable and then just disappeared. Um, I know someone you could ask about that. I don't know if you have a direct line or not, uh-huh. but there's this little known company called Konami. Mm. If you do me a favor and just reach out to them. Um, I think they're very familiar with having highly profitable, very popular things that then just disappear. Is this Jeff, Jeff Konami? Yeah, I had a question. I 
Well, it's like, uh, I mean, even that, like, Metal Gear Solid got, what, eight games if you include the side stories and shit? Yeah. You know? I don't, it's like, uh, I was the thing that came to my mind is just because I just recently bought the Danish version or whatever, uh, like, Let Me In, or Let the Right One In. Like, they did make a movie of it, which was fine. But uh, never had a sequel. It's like a weird vampire. It's like a child vampire story, I guess. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I'm really trying to like just. There's really not a lot because I mean our entire. And of course, that you know the one I mentioned is Danish. So like, I don't, minimum wage at McDonald's is like oh. fucking eighty dollars an hour or something. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you know this guy, some dude just like wrote a thing and he was like, "This kind of cool." What if there was like a vampire that was a kid and it was cool? So back and in like, the... oh okay. I was just gonna say he didn't have to do anything else because like, oh, there's my fortune. Bye. So, back in the day, a really fun... It, it, it used to be the company that I would have thought of that made those games that were fun, that people liked, and they never made them again. Uh, it, it used to be, uh, like, Rockstar was involved in some capacity. Mm. Um, table tennis? They had... Yeah, they had table tennis. They had... Uh, they produced Thrasher Skate and Destroy, which I love very much. Mm, um, LA Noir. LA Noir. They did uh um Smuggler's Run, which was a precursor to learning how to do Grand Theft Auto 3 mechanics. Um yeah. all of theirs was just building so they could make something else, I feel like. But then ultimately they ended up getting into that like niche of making the same like one thing <laughs> forever and two things technically i guess yeah um at yeah. this point but one is just kind of like a rip of the other kind of so yeah i think that would be a good way to get some more uh, engagement as we kind of wrap up here as half of us are going through extreme weather events and uh <laughs> i'm about to go on a ballistic rampage um at the hbo studio uh, god i hope there's not a new story about that that'd be horrible <laughs> so um didn't, didn't I make a threat against YouTube, like, right before they had, like, their company shooting? I feel like I did. Um, we're going to... Parody. What we're going to do is we're going to say that the cake had something wrote there, and we frosted over it. We're yeah, gonna, exactly. So, um, I think that'd be actually an interesting question. I, uh, like, uh, people could write in or tweet at us or at the official account or even on TikTok. Ooh, that's it. That'd be funny. You could make a uh, duet and respond to one of our uh, famously underappreciated uh, ticks. Tick talkings? Talks? Uh, what is it called? Are they ticks or are they talks? Tinks. Um, talk to my twink. And... They're tokes. Right. They have toked, exactly. Um, God, I'm going to get randomly drug tested tomorrow. So, um, <laughs> yeah, tell us, like, what is something that was, like, uh, something that you really liked that never got a sequel? Oh, that's kind of interesting. Actually, for me, it would have been Evil Genius, maybe. That finally yeah, gets a sequel are. now after 18 years or whatever. Um, and unfortunately, I went and bought it, so I'm perpetuating the very system I claim to hate. But, um, yeah, I think I think that could be interesting. Maybe get some a wider... Uh, maybe we get our one listener from Vietnam or one of our couple listeners from Germany to write in and say... Looking at you guys. Looking at you guys. You know what I mean? You know? You're not providing me enough content. <laughs> Yeah. Now, will I zoom in on your country and Google Maps and just look around? Yes. He will. He does it to everyone, though, so it's not... <laughs> I do that to everyone. It's nothing special. Yeah. 
He's actually looking at your broken fence right now, Brian. Yeah. I <laughs> need to pick this well, up. I, I could feel the 5G. Fair. Yeah, I'm concentrating all my 5G energy lasers on you right now. All right. With that, let's go ahead and wrap up. Uh, as always, uh, find us over on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Mammoth Games Inc. Over on Twitter, at Mammoth Games Inc. And as we've mentioned and alluded to a few times, if TikTok's more you speed, Mammoth Games Inc. on TikTok. Uh, for one of your hosts, I am Night Swarm. I'm Filter Cord. Johnny Riot. And you can find me at Major Potty.